2: Tupac, I'm a you, you don't want i wanna ask you a question real quick. Let's just keep it real straight shot with no chaser. I'm gonna get a little bit rough we. I'm here for it. Those who really believed in the American process, all of us. Hold up. Straight Shot No Chaser with your girl Tesla Figaro on the Black Effect Podcast Network. What's happening, everybody? This is Tesla Figaro with Straight Shot No Chaser, the podcast on the Black Effect Podcast Network on iHeartRadio. We are continuing our series, our partnership with the George Floyd Foundation in reclaiming your time. I took uh, that hashtag or that saying uh, borrowed from uh, Maxine Waters when she talked about reclaiming her time. I thought it would be a good Uh, framing on the prison system and how you reclaim your time, getting the time back that you lost. And so one thing they always say, you can never get time back. But the idea is how do you do better time, as they say, while you're doing your time? And how do you get back what you lost? And how do you come to the understanding that some things uh, you may have just lost and had to move on? And the part of that that is so critical of understanding those differences is the mental health aspect. And that is what we're focused on on this particular episode. If you can do me a favor, go back and listen to all of the episodes previously to this one, because it does give you a framing and a shaping and understanding of those who have been directly impacted, those who have served time, those who are directly impacted, indirectly impacted, those of us like myself that have been supporters of people who have been sentenced to long prison bids, which is very different a lot of times in short. Um, because of the, all of the psychological things that go with the longer that you stay in prison while during that sentence and out and having professionals like my next guest that I'm getting ready to introduce to give you all of the necessary framing with actually understanding this from a larger standpoint. And we also had Dr. White on, who is a spiritual advisor that talked about the spiritual side of it and the healing of the heart as this series continues. And maybe we'll do more. Well, we'll bring some of my guests back to have a longer conversation to maybe have different perspectives uh, from different folks and maybe even a panel discussion is what I'm thinking about now and just really getting down uh, to a lot of, of these issues. So my next guest is Dr. Selena Smith. She's a psychologist. And the reason why uh, I was so I I'd asked folks um to if they could recommend uh, any black psychologists that could talk about what it is like to work with incarcerated individuals, that population. And she literally was a heaven sent dream. And the reason why I say that is because being, uh, you know, living in Oklahoma City, I just would not have imagined and I I don't live there now, but I just would have never imagined that the person that popped up in my inbox uh, was someone that was a psychologist at Mabel Bassett Correctional uh, Facility that is right around the corner from my grandmother's house. And it's also been important because a lot of this series has talked a lot about our men and black men, you know, obviously being of the largest, you know, demographic in prison. But the women, the conversations about women have been uh, left behind, not just in this series, but as we have a conversation about incarceration, period. And Oklahoma has more women in prison than anywhere in the world. And so for Dr. Smith to have, first of all, she has a phenomenal background. If you have access to the Internet, you certainly can look her up. But it was the part of Mabel Bassett that really stood out to me because to be able to have a black psychologist that in particular dealt dealt with women who were incarcerated, to me, was just spot on on what I wanted to touch on this series. So I do believe uh, that everything has a uh, timing and purpose. And I want to welcome uh, Dr. Smith to the show uh, to to talk to us today. And everything has its timing and purpose. So thank you for using your time, Dr. Smith, to, to join no us.
3: Thank you for having me
2: today. Yes, absolutely. This is such an important topic. And it, so I thank you for doing this series. Absolutely. So let's get straight to it. Um, give us some framing because you, you've you done uh, therapy and counseling uh, centers. You've worked directly mm-hmm. uh, in the prison system. You now uh, have your own coaching and consulting services. I mean, you've done quite a bit with uh, Department of Veteran Affairs. Mm-hmm. Give me a framing. Uh, So that and and I want and I I say this to every guest as a part of this particular series to talk directly to the incarcerated person as if they're sitting in front of you, opposed to the the larger audience who we still want to listen. But I really Mm -hmm. want them to know that that we see them and and we're having Mm -hmm. a conversation for them. Give a, a, a little bit of framing on your background on, I guess, if you can say, I know I wanted someone to talk about. What it is like to work with someone incarcerated, because it seems that that's very different than, you know, setting up a a counseling center for, you know, somebody that's coming in with marriage problems or whatever. A lot of the same traumas may overlap and, you know, we experience a lot of the the same things. But give a framing on the importance of working with someone who's been incarcerated in, in your industry and how that is a niche that a lot of people don't understand or mm-hmm. are, are are not a part of it, if you can. I know that's a lot to give in a framing, but uh, I kind of want to set up the foundation.
3: Yeah. So it's, it's so important because, you know, there's so many um, aspects of being incarcerated that people do not get, you know, especially if you've never been inside of a prison, right? Like just the day-to-day routine, the you know, no autonomy, no voice, no power. Um, and a lot of the, those things can be kind of overlooked if you were not aware of those, like, intricate details of what it's like um, being in prison. Um, unfortunately, the, the criminal justice system is not really built to incarcerate. I mean, to rehabilitate, like they say. Um, a lot of things are done kind of keep them in that mentality of being in the system. So once they're out, it's hard to adjust. Like there's so many decisions to be made. I think you talked about this in your previous episode, about just making day-to-day decisions, um, being able to touch someone for the first time, you know, just all those little things that we take for granted, not being in the system. Um, and it's so important that That people who are impacted by the system, I call them system-impacted individuals, um, have someone who can really take their time, like build that relationship, build that safety so that they do have a space to process the trauma that they've endured, both inside of the system and then once they're released, it's a whole different experience for them. So So for me, it was really important to be able to be that person and provide that space for healing.
2: So when you say the system was not designed to rehabilitate, which we've heard before, Mm -hmm. how did you see your role, which is, you know, mental health professional and the Mm -hmm. system is saying, hey, go fix these folks, fix whatever it is, their problem, Mm -hmm. whatever their problem is. How did you find that conflicting um, or challenging with what it is that you you set out to do? And I guess, why do you say what you say when you say it's not designed to rehabilitate?
3: Yeah, so... um, You've been inside of a prison, and so you know how dark it is, right? Just even aesthetically, like it's a dark place. And I've always felt when I was working in there that that's a place of darkness. You know, they don't want people to feel a sense of worth, a sense of value. Um, they don't want people to feel a sense of autonomy, that they can really survive without that system in place. They strip people of everything. And so going in there, it was like... Fighting against a wall, actually trying to help people heal—they didn't want that, to be honest. Because if people heal and get better, then when they get out, they're not going to return, and so the system, the the machine, kind of starts to slow down. It can't function like they wanted to. Um, so it was extremely difficult. It was—it took a toll on me because, I mean, from the top down, um, I was constantly being faced with obstacles and people just not wanting me to help in the ways that people need which was basically just helping people feel respected, feel heard, have their basic needs met, like, you know, making sure everybody had meals or got their medication or even got the medical help that they needed. It was just simple day-to-day things that I encountered obstacles day in and day out. Not to mention you know, there's a black woman in there that they have to call a doctor,
4: mm-hmm. you know.
3: So there's that whole dynamic of power and um, gender and, and race and all of that that I was against, too. Um, and so there were very few people, very few people in my experience in there who were there, who were truly there to help, who truly cared. And that's, that's hard. It's isolating when you're in a system like that, mm-hmm. which, you know, is why it wasn't sustainable for me. You know, just in terms of my own self-care, like it took me a couple of years to kind of get out of the trauma that I experienced being in there daily.
2: So for the person listening and saying, wow, that sounds familiar. I don't feel anybody mm-hmm. cares. I'm going to see the mental health therapist here now and I don't feel um, that it's helping me. Would you say that even despite all of that, um, for them listening, because you're seeing that from you know your perspective, like I don't I don't see how I can perform surgery without the tools is basically what mm-hmm. you're saying. But to Mm -hmm. the incarcerated person, they can't just move on and go to another job or go on and go Mm -hmm. to another situation. Mm -hmm. So what would you tell them to try to find? Because I definitely don't want them to hear that and say, oh, you know what? She's right. I Mm -hmm. knew I was right. Nobody gives a damn, which can still be true. Two things can be true at the same time. Nobody gives a damn. I don't want to get any help. Let me just move on. Mm -hmm. What about um, the other side of that coin that says, Whatever tools you do have in front of you, right. how do you work with what you have? Because mm-hmm. you were able to move on and I'm glad mm-hmm. you were transparent right. enough to know that, so that people don't think, OK, I'm, I know I'm not crazy. I know it, it wasn't just me. I know right. that that, mm-hmm. that I'm not set up in a, in a system in order to prosper or do mm-hmm. well. But we also know right. that some people do. So right. what do you say to the person that says, I really want to get help? And I understand it's not set up for me to do so. What Mm -hmm. would be the tools with the individual that you did have an opportunity to work with Mm -hmm. that you were able to find that they were able to get some something helpful out of it? You know, what what do they say? Deal with the cars you were dealt. What would be their advice, your advice that you would give them on how to deal with the cars that were dealt with whoever it is that is on staff uh, Mm -hmm. with with mental health? And maybe it's not them. Maybe it's a spiritual advisor. Maybe it's a friend outside the prison. Mm -hmm. What do they do? Um, Because if they clicked on this about mental health, they're looking Mm -hmm. for an answer. So what do they do in a system that is not designed um, and and the goal is not for them to rehabilitate? The thing
3: was there were pockets of light in the prison, right? So it may not have been necessarily even in mental health, but there were always people in different areas. Um, I felt like God placed different people throughout the system who did care. And so um, inmates learned to recognize those people and go to them. And I also gave them, you know, skills and, and coping tools to help them just in their day to day. So even if they didn't have anybody physically present, they knew, you know, they had a toolbox to pull from. Um, and I think another thing was to help people build community um, amongst each other. So sure, maybe we don't have anybody, you know, who's working here who really has our best interest today on a given day. But we have each other. We have these people within, you know, the whatever location you're in, if you're in an actual prison or, you know, who are sources of support and hope and light. And so, you know, I did a, um, a journaling group to connect women while I was there, just so they could learn how to lean on each other, how to like actually write through their, their feelings and their experiences. Um, and I pushed them to kind of think about concepts that they hadn't really thought of, like self care. You know, um, learning how to forgive themselves because there was a lot of guilt and shame, especially, you know, mothers who lost children. Um, there were women in there who were pregnant and, you know, had to go have deliver a child and come right back to the facility. There was a lot of guilt, a lot of self-hate. So just helping them slowly unpack those, you know, um, ideas for themselves. Um, to help them start doing the work. That was really important. And so they would go and talk to their other friends about it. You know, they created their own families in the facility. So, you know, they would share this information. And so that kind of helped me when it was time to move on, to know that I had planted some seeds and given them some tools to help. And so even if you don't have a mental health provider you feel comfortable with, you know the people in your facility who do care. And so identify those people, connect to those people, spend time with those people, let them pour into you, because that's you can't do it alone. That's for sure. You can't make it alone because it's just so much every day that, that you're fighting against.
2: So, yeah, that would be my advice. Yeah. The last episode we did, uh, we was talking about that because Spud didn't believe that he could be a writer and he never thought about it. He started writing just to escape, you know, everything that was going on. And it was somebody else who was incarcerated. It was like, man, this is really good. And as he passed mm-hmm. that around and people started reading, it was like, man, you need to submit mm-hmm. this. You need to submit this manuscript. And he never thought about it, never thought being a writer. Mm-hmm. Now, 16 books later published, you know, at the largest black uh, book distributor in the country that came from it. that community of support. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so yeah. what what I'm hearing you say is, you know, utilize the tools that you have. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in front of you, the mental health provider or whoever it is. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, really, you know, build community of support of mm-hmm. um, being able to I guess, help someone else along that way. And it may not be the way you think helping is, you, you know, vision, it it could be right. just sharing your story of honesty or just saying, Absolutely. Hey man, you know, I learned this and I, I wish I could have did this better or that better. Yeah. And I, I talked about that. And it's so interesting. You said that because you didn't hear the episode that I just recorded before yours. Mm-hmm. And it ended with saying that, you know, if you can use your time, not just your time locked up, but when you mm-hmm. get home, your time on earth, period. Of trying to make somebody else's time on Earth just a little bit better, yeah. then that alone can bring you enough light, you know, to to stay mm-hmm. encouraged as we all, you know, fight this battle. If you had right. to give us uh, some other tools, you one you said, and this is important because I want to give people because when I have an expert on, I want to give some tangible mm-hmm. tools. One you said, build community, um, to reach mm-hmm. out to those who are around you. Um, can you name a couple of other uh tools that you found helpful with the folks that you dealt uh, with well, you talked about self-healing you talked about forgiveness about forgiving yourself mm-hmm. you talked about journaling are there some mm-hmm. other tools that you can give in the uh, incarcerated individuals on how to deal with you know their mental health whether it's when mm-hmm. they get while they're doing time or when they get out
3: well, one of the things you mentioned was just, you know, the talent there, right? You're talking about your friend and how he was so gifted in, in writing. One of the reasons why that time at Maple Bassett was so um, incredible for me was because, I mean, the people there, the women who were incarcerated were so gifted. Like, you can't help but feel some inspiration seeing how people could channel their pain, their, their grief into things that were beautiful. So whether it was creating, you know, blankets or, you know, women created stuffed animals, I mean, it was just so much talent there. And so, you know, even learning how to channel that into something that's beautiful, we talked about meditation and finding, you know, ways to center themselves, especially in moments of chaos. So there were a lot of times when things were chaotic they witnessed a lot of different things that nobody should ever have to witness, you know, happen to people that they love and care about in there. Um, and like you said before, just being stripped, your identity, you become a number, you know, just helping people ground themselves and find their center in the midst of chaos was was huge. So learning how to meditate, learning how to, to uh, ground themselves in moments where, you know, They may feel really angry and feel like they want to lash out, like helping them to just kind of refocus themselves and refocus their energy. Uh, That was huge. Um, And then just physical activity. Right. So a lot of people, I think they created like a dance team. Um, So they created things within the facility to help them. Um, They had a weightlifting group where they would just go and spend time in the evening lifting weights and connecting with each other um, or, you know, during uh, the rectum walk in the yard and, you know, just exercising, moving their body. So we talked about the importance of just staying staying active and and also mentally active. So doing puzzles or, you know, things just to keep themselves mentally stimulated because stimulated, everyone couldn't take classes there. Like there was a really strict way um, that they would select people. So if you had any too many, you know, write-ups or anything, you would automatically be excluded from being able to do that. So, just finding ways to to keep their mind, body, and spirit, I guess, moving or you know, active was huge because um, it's easy to get stagnant and just your mind goes places that aren't healthy. You know, dark places that can really be destructive. So, those were some of the other tools that we talked about pretty frequently.
2: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You said that. I guess the more trouble they got in, the less access they got to classes and learning and being Mm -hmm. rehabilitated, which goes against the whole thing of, you know, actually rehabilitating people. Right. Um, Right. So for those who are listening that have support systems, because there's two audiences that are a couple different audiences. Listen, one, this Mm -hmm. is going directly to incarcerated individuals, but also people who may just listen to my podcast that is trying Mm -hmm. to support you know mm-hmm. uh someone who is incarcerated i talked a lot in my episode about patience you know on our end but i also talked mm-hmm. a lot about boundaries as well um mm-hmm. because what i learned in supporting someone is that those boundaries will be pushed mm-hmm. and some people that's sure. exactly what they got in prison for was pushing the boundaries mm-hmm. you know pushing the line <laughs> right, being a, right. a habitual line stepper Steppers,
4: uh,
5: yeah. so, <laughs>
4: Nissan has a car for everyone, and that means every driver who wants more. Whatever your more is, more freedom, more head-turning style, more exhilaration, Nissan has it. Get more exhilaration behind the wheel of the Nissan Z, the sports car built to deliver the most thrilling drive ever. Make more moves with the Nissan Rogue that can switch between power and fuel efficiency at the press of a pedal. If you're craving more adventures with your crew, try the Nissan Pathfinder, the vehicle with muscle to help you handle the journey. Want more of a rush with your drive? Zip around in the agile and stylish Nissan Sentra. And for the drive that's positively more electric, the Nissan Aria has the perfect combination of raw power and refined luxury. When you want more of what makes driving exciting from sports cars and sedans to EVs, pickups, and crossovers. You can rely on Nissan because more is all we do. Get the endless excitement and more you've been looking for. Check out Nissan's amazing lineup. Learn more at NissanUSA.com.
0: 2023 EPA fuel economy estimates. 30 city MPG. 37 highway MPG. 33 combined MPG for Rogue S and SV front-wheel drive. 28 city MPG. 35 highway MPG. 31 combined MPG for Rogue S and SV all-wheel drive. 29 city MPG. 36 highway MPG. 32 combined MPG for Rogue SL and platinum front-wheel drive. 28 city MPG. 34 highway MPG. 31 combined combined MPG for Rogue SL and Platinum all-wheel drive. Actual mileage may vary with driving conditions. Use for comparison only.
2: So what would be your advice to those who are listening? And twofold, one, with setting boundaries, the important, the person that's you know providing support and also mm-hmm. the person that's receiving the support, understanding that those boundaries are not a rejection of that person, but being able to keep your support system sane because if you drive them crazy, then nobody can help anybody. Right, so what right, would be right. uh, some advice uh, on boundaries?
3: That was something that I was tested with too. You know, being someone who was there to help and someone that they saw perceived as being safe. Like I had to set boundaries and that didn't feel good for a lot of people, but I would definitely make sure I had conversations with them explaining. So it wouldn't, because they were so used to being ghosted and rejected and abandoned that any kind of line that I was set could still unpleasant to them and so I think it's important to have those conversations to explain what's going on because it would be easy for them to go in their head and this feels like something that just happened you know with someone else in my life and so just triggering you know and so having those conversations I think communication is so important in this but yeah like you said boundaries are because otherwise you'll crash and burn as a, as a supporter, as someone who loves and who's trying to help. Because it is a lot. It's a lot. And the person who needs help realizes and feels how much it is. And so, yeah, for me, I think just always being open and communicating what's going on is huge in that. And also, I feel like as a, someone who is supporting someone who is incarcerated, you need support, right? So that you can kind of talk through things and find out how to have those conversations in a way that, I mean, to be honest, a lot of things may, will be taken the wrong way just because, like, I think you were talking to, to Reed, Mr. Reed um, about boundaries and how anything can feel like rejection. And so that can make you feel, question your own judgment. So having somebody like when you were supporting your friend, hopefully you had people around you that you could talk to that could kind of validate your experiences and help you have those conversations as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, they certainly, they listened, but it, they couldn't necessarily help. One, I don't tell my business everybody, but I have two best friends and they certainly listen, but um, it was a, they certainly couldn't tell me how to have those conversations because they didn't have that experience. So it was a new experience. So I had to do, which goes into the next thing, I had to do a lot of reading and researching on my own. And it was interesting before we started this interview, you said, you know, Tez and I'm, I don't really, I don't like the sigma associated with the word, you know, post-incarceration syndrome. And I said, mm-hmm. let's definitely talk about that. But for me, which really goes into what you just said, there wasn't anybody that could tell me how to have those conversations or to even understand So I and me not being a mental health professional, you know, Googling information and reading that syndrome and saying, yeah, these things sound exactly like what I'm experiencing or what Mm -hmm. this person is. So although I understand, at least partly because I want you to explain the stigma, Mm -hmm. I understand stigmatizing things pushes people away. But for me, I needed I needed to know like what that thing is, what is Mm -hmm. what the name is, what it means, because I needed to process
5: you know mm-hmm. what I it was that understand. I was yeah to
2: ha- understand mm-hmm. but I do mm-hmm. understand the stigma behind it but I also understood calling a thing a thing so explain mm-hmm. a little uh, explain to us why you say there's a stigma around that wording that framing and mm-hmm. and and why you believe I assume that it's not as helpful as, as we intend it to be
3: yeah because I definitely understand how it provi- provides a framework it helps you understand what's manifesting in front of you right but I'm going to compare it to something It's not the same. But you know how um, some people who are supposedly experts talk about the angry Black woman syndrome, right? So it's this onus of responsibility on us as Black women. Something is wrong with us. No, let's talk about the systems and the things that have contributed to those things that you see in front of you and talk about how we got to this place of, coming across or being perceived as overly aggressive or X, Y, Z, however they define angry Black woman syndrome. Um, So with saying post-incarceration syndrome, it's like, okay, it's trauma. It's PTSD as a result of the things that they experienced while they were incarcerated. Or for so many people, they were already experiencing or had dealt with trauma prior to going into the system. And going into the system only exacerbated or worsened those, you know, the trauma that they had. So then they're coming out just with all this untreated trauma and trying to figure out how to navigate in this world after dealing with all that with no support, no preparation of what it's like after. And so I feel like with systems impacted individuals, they already have all these labels and all these titles and things that you know, aren't healthy and I don't want people afraid to come out because they think that they're already, they're going to have another label on them or another, you know, clinical pathology kind of thing going on. These are a natural result of being in a system that shifts you of everything, that traumatizes you on a daily basis, makes you feel like you have nothing um, and you can't survive without the system. You know, so many people, um, but they used to call trick off their time. So they would be on the verge of getting out and would do something to get themselves in trouble because they were so afraid of getting out afterward and thinking that they couldn't survive. Um, the system is built that way to make you dependent and feel like you can't survive without it once you've been in it, especially if you've been in it for decades. Um, and so, yeah, I prefer to kind of talk about the system and how it's created all of this trauma in people, unthinkable trauma and how society expects people to just go out and be okay afterward. Mm-hmm. No, nobody would. Nobody and
2: would. And that doesn't mean that not take accountability for your own actions. Right. right. Let's talk a little bit right. about that because a lot of times when I'm talking about the system as a whole in politics, I'm always talking about the system, the system, the system doesn't mean don't take accountability. The first the first uh, feedback I'll get from somebody is you they need to take accountability that no nobody's saying that in fact I hold my friends to a higher standard of accountability. But explain the difference between understanding that I am in a big ocean and I'm in a system of ocean water, but I also need to know how I got there and why I can't swim and why I'm not the best swimmer. And was I ever set up using that as analogy? Was I ever taught swimming lessons? Did anybody in my mm-hmm. family swim? Like, do I know right. anything about how swimming at all? Yes. And that's yes. not taking accountability for me jumping off in, in the ocean, knowing damn well I can't right. swim, but it says right. something to the 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 body of water that I'm in. How do Absolutely. you balance that between black? blaming other people for your actions and actually taking accountability and if there's any tools you can give people on that. It's so funny you bring
3: this up because I had this conversation with my father last week. He was talking about our community and, you know, financial literacy and, you know, this black business, you know, kind of that older way of thinking, like we need to do better. We got to get better. Like, why are we so, why do we sabotage ourselves in that way? And I said, well, dad, First of all, let's kind of look at historical context, right? Like we didn't just wake up one day and say, like, hey, I don't, you know, wanna be a poor business owner or whatever, you know, the thing is. We have overcome so much in such a short amount of time. And this is generational stuff. And people, if they don't get healing and actually seek treatment to kind of overcome that we're doing the best people are doing the best that they can a lot of times especially with what they've seen around them what's going on right in front of them so accountability would be like yes i made a mistake and i've served the time but you know have i gotten the help that i needed while i've been in here no like so you're looking at everything in totality you're accepting your 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 role in it but also like you said how did i get here how did you know, what are the factors that led me to do this one thing that they may or may not have even done? Right. Because We have people in there in, in prison who've done nothing wrong. So even if it's just being at the wrong place at the wrong time, being around the wrong, you know, the wrong people, I've been really um, active with the Justice for Julius Jones uh, movement. And that's something that Julius Jones talks about. You know, no, I didn't murder anyone but I will admit that I was around the wrong people and people who were doing things that I shouldn't have been around. But, so that's, you know, an example of taking accountability. Like I should have made better decisions about the people I was with, what I was doing. Yes. Or, you know, people who have done things wrong. Yes. I did make a big mistake. Uh, But that doesn't mean that I need to be stripped of my humanity, reminded daily that, you know, I have nothing and I'm not ever going to amount to anything like you No, nobody deserves that because we've all made mistakes and some of us have just been fortunate enough to not get caught up, but we've all made mistakes and we all with one decision end up exactly where they are. Um, And so I think taking ownership of what you have done wrong, but also being able to look at the different things in your life that may have led to that, you know, I think we, we do a We don't do a great job of acknowledging systemic stuff and what we've seen growing up, um, what's been modeled before us. A lot of people have not seen healthy relationships, healthy friendships, none of that. And that affects your decision making and the things that you do in life and even how far you think you can go a lot of times.
2: And also the support system are us out here that call ourselves supporting. Uh, You had had an opportunity to see me doing an IG live where I was explaining to a guy this week, you know, the nerve of you to do time and then to violate and then to come down and, and, and shake your finger, you know, at everyone else. The, the really, truly, truly the nerve of you. Um, when you talk about Julius Jones, him and I, we went to John Marshall. I went to John Marshall as well. And, uh, you. The, and John Marshall is a blood, uh, school. And they said that mm-hmm. Julius Jones, had had some affiliations with bloods. I won't speak on mm-hmm. it, if that's true or not. Um, but Clifford Spud Johnson was a blood that I met, you know, uh, from California in 1994, mm-hmm. And the same thing that he got his time for, I could have got time for because I was mm-hmm. around me mm-hmm. So the nerve of anybody, you know, anybody when we say, oh, it could be in it," like, mm-hmm. I literally know it could have been me. I literally know I was in the wrong place on many occasions, wrong time. Mm-hmm. And I've had an opportunity um, to not get caught up and then use that to go and help others. Never making an excuse for them or me, because I knew that I was at the wrong place, wrong time. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I also knew looking back that I was 16, how right. much of my judgment, you know, was really impaired at that time. One meet, I'm, I'm a cheerleader in school. But then on the weekend, I'm with all the hustlers selling dope. Like I get that. And right. even though I thought, oh, but I'm doing all the right things, I'm this and that. But every now and then I'm over here on this side, looking back now as an adult, that's a totally different perspective than what right. I experienced at exactly. that time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because my mother wasn't telling me what I shouldn't be done. She didn't even know. So it wasn't because somebody was just letting me just run wild. But it also Mm -hmm. had something to do with I was living in a neighborhood that was Pyru Bloods and that's in Spud's Dope House was in my neighborhood. So all of those things go into play. And it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that my mother did not work at the television station and that my stepfather was not a dentist. Literally, it was like the Cosby show. My mother never said a cuss word. It was nothing Mm -hmm. like my outside environment. But when I walked around the corner to the store, I still had to pass a couple of crack houses uh, and I still had to go to the store with graffiti on the back. Like these are the realities. And if we as a support system and that people in this space can realize that two things can be done, two things can be right at the same time. Believe it or not. Breaking news. I can put that on a T-shirt. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard. We, We want a zero sum game. You know, where we say, no, you should have did this or that. That's right. Right.
5: Mm -hmm. We all can't help but wonder what awaits us around the next corner. What new roads are left to be discovered? What adventures lie just over the next ridge? Push beyond your current limits and find out. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is always updating Assistant that can be called on for almost anything. Whether the adventure is about the destination, the journey itself, or both, your SUV will match your tenacity mile after mile. And no matter how far you wander, you'll remain tethered to home without the need to connect your phone. Along with Assistant, Google Maps and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Every single one of Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to take you where you want to go. The world is waiting to be discovered. What are you waiting for? Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Across America,
1: BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. And and so for me, Doc,
2: with my personal story, and I didn't get a chance to get on this uh, in this topic with Spud, um, which I've told this story before, you know, the homage that I pay to him on just believing in me, you know, even as a young girl. And I'm saying, hey, I want to go do more of my life. I want to go to Dallas. I'm going to go with nothing. You know, the shirt on my back, Mm -hmm. no place to stay, no nothing. It was him. It was the streets that gave me that Mm -hmm. opportunity. My dad wasn't in a position to do it. My mother was not in a position to do it. So I cannot forget about those that right. did help me along the way. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't get a pass. I mean, that he gets a pass to do whatever and say whatever. And I make all these excuses. What it means is I know the environment that I came out of that big body of water or that I use that analogy, that ocean. And, and I knew straight. that somebody gave me uh, threw me that's, a life jacket. Mm-hmm. And it's that same somebody that got that that's drowned in the same system, the same body mm-hmm. of water that I will escape. And so now Great. it's up to me. To throw back that life jacket. That's yeah. right, and it's a it's a mm-hmm. life jacket of knowledge and understanding. Not one to make excuses. Not one to say, "Well, you could have did like me. Went to the military and then moved." Because I did. I knew, mm-hmm. I knew that those around me, uh, both of my best friends, had babies at sixteen, yes. and I knew that my situation, I was either going to get pregnant by a baller. Uh, end up getting time like most of the women who mm-hmm. who get time is usually directly right. related to their boyfriends. Found mm-hmm. yeah, dope right, in the yeah. car or something had to do with something or mm-hmm. I knew I was gonna get time or end up being killed, wrong place, wrong time. I know many girls who got shot, killed cause you in a dope house with somebody, all of that. So I knew I said, okay, it's either that Go to the military or work at uh, Firestone at the time, our GM. That was the biggest employers at the time. And I decided, let me go to the military. Not because i just so crazy about serving my country, but I saw it as a way out, you know, to boost my resume. Right. And then I continued on. And it took me over a decade plus when I reconnected with him to understand the impact that he had on my life, the impact of what I escaped. And that's why I'm so passionate in politics. And so I'm saying all that to say, as we wrap up, It takes time for all of us on this journey. It takes time. You even as a professional going to school and getting the master's and the PhD and all of that, even you had to get in the environment, in the water to say, wait a minute, hold up. This is not what they talked about in class. So is there grace that is there is there tools of grace or or get some words as we close up on grace of just understanding, um, you know, that it takes time to grow. We're still growing. Spud said it on my last episode. He said, I'm so much further than what I was, but I'm still mm-hmm. growing. How do we, you know, keep grace and keep believing and, keep, and not be so discouraged? But also understand there's times where we have to take breaks and fall back. I've had to do it many right. times. Mm-hmm. But I talk a lot about my calling, which is different than a career. A calling yeah. keeps bringing me back over and over mm-hmm. and over. Mm-hmm. We talked about that in the spiritual side about understanding your calling and your purpose. Mm -hmm. If you had to give, you know, some some closing advice on grace that we can have for each other as you're developing, you know, how to find your talent, your gift, how to build Mm -hmm. community, how to to come out and restore some of the relationships or to understand that some of those relationships may not be Mm -hmm. restored. What what are some closing thoughts that you have um, that maybe you have told uh, folks before on allowing um, that grace and patience to a group Mm -hmm. of folks that. Didn't have a whole lot of patience. They wanted everything, yeah. you know, right now, mm-hmm. for the most part. Not everybody. So, what? What are you? Uh, what are some closing thoughts you have on grace and patience?
3: Gosh, so many thoughts. You said so much. So lot. many <laughs> thoughts going through my head. Um, but you know, we're here by the grace of God, Tesla. Like you said, like so many times, we could have been caught up. And there's a responsibility, like, like you said, that calling, like. It could have been me. And that's what I learned working in the, the prison is that I was one decision, one decision away from being right there where a lot of those women were. Um, and so realize you're human. You know, you're going to have rough days. You're going to have days where you feel like giving up. And I would tell the women that I worked with in the prison, like, I'm not going to tell you everything's going to be okay. I go home every day. Like, you are here day in and day out. But there are, there are gifts inside of you. Um, you're not a mistake. You have so much to offer the world. And so sometimes it takes being still, as uncomfortable as that stillness can be. Um, sometimes being still and being quiet and just connecting to your higher power, whatever you want to call him or her, um, is important in your healing. In um, that silence, a lot of clarity will come about what your gifts are and what your purpose is. Um, people around you who love you can also speak life into you and help you recognize those those mm-hmm. gifts you have. Because sometimes you can be in a place so dark where you can't even make sense of what's going on around you or see any good in yourself. It's okay, you're gonna have those moments. Um, and so I think part of grace is just recognizing humanity in the ups and downs, ebbs and blows of life. Um, Every day is not going to be sunshine. Every day is not going to be dark. But know that there are people around you who love you, who are loved. No matter how many people have left, abandoned you, rejected you, you still have people who love you, um, people who are praying for you. And so take it one day at a time. Know that you're going to have rough moments, rough days, rough weeks. Um, but there's purpose here. There's purpose here. There's purpose in your life. There's purpose in all that you have to offer. And so I know that feels really vague, but I also, I know I can't, you know, speak to everybody's situation. And even, you know, some people may still, after hearing that, feel like, you know, there's no point um, in, in going through this, but there's purpose. And I just, I guess faith is the biggest part of all of that. Even if you can't see a way out or that things will get better, Just trusting that it will. All of these things will be revealed in time. Your gifts, your purpose, even your support system. Those people in your corner who you can truly go to and depend on. If you can't see it right now, you will. It'll be revealed. But just take it one day at a time.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's that's what I was going to piggyback on about even though you can't see those people now, they may be revealed in time. And I want to speak to mm-hmm. that as we close when you said understand that there's people around you that love you. And I want to speak um, to those who are listening who may say, no, I literally don't have anybody. You know, everybody literally may not have somebody who loves mm-hmm. you that you can see and touch and tangible. Right. But I do want to right. speak to that to say that when you are saying people love you, understand it may be somebody that you do not know. And you, you, you have to understand that um, just to mm-hmm. put some context that it may not be a cousin or whoever. It may be somebody like me that loves you enough mm-hmm. to do this or Dr. Right. Smith that loves you enough or people in this space or the George mm-hmm. Floyd Foundation that loves you enough to want to give you this. Understand that that love is not always tangible. And we talked about that when we talked about really leaning into the spirit and the Holy Spirit, regardless of mm-hmm. your religion or whatever that is for you, that sometimes things are not tangible things are not, they can't be touched like they say, we walk by faith and not mm-hmm. by sight so when we say that there are somebody that loves you, you are listening to two women that love you right now yes. deep, and love understand you. that and have faith in that and and rather than being upset with the people you can touch that may not make you feel love, focus on those that do and anybody mm-hmm. that gives their life to this work mm-hmm. it has to be some genuine love because it is yes, definitely not baby. easy <laughs> yes. It is yes. definitely not easy to do. Yes, but there are people who are fighting day in and day out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To make your lives yes. better. So. To make your yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the Bible said he will send you a comforter. And so I hope you found this episode comforting in some point. I know uh as we wrap up our time. Mental health is such a, uh, you know, a broad conversation. It, it does seem vague to try to cover as much as we can in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the goal was that, um, you know, that again, There's so many resources wrapped around, um, you know, you doing your time there. Or if there is not access to that, when you get home, find that person that you can Mm -hmm. connect with, that you can have a conversation with, that is not restricted, uh, like the restrictions you talked about, Doc, with Mm -hmm. the system wasn't set up to help. Mm -hmm. You're in your private practice now. So we do want our brothers and sisters to know that when you get home, there are people available and Mm -hmm. to find those resources. And even um, Sheila Bruno talked about that. She said, you know, really interview the person you're working with when you get home, Mm -hmm. you know, so that you can understand that. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. so that you're talking to the right person that really, really gets it. So Mm -hmm. that was what this was about, just touching on that along with the other additional five uh, podcasts that we have already Mm -hmm. put out. Um, uh, but I want to thank you, Doc, for your time. Yeah. Um, is there anything in closing that um I know again to most of the folks who are listening, you know, may not be able to reach out to you because, you know, mm-hmm. restrictions of website and so forth. But for people who are listening, um, that are, you know, listening um to my podcast normally is there uh a place where they can find you or if you're interested in and, and they want to mm-hmm. know more about your services as we close up. Yeah,
3: um you can find me on my website, um realliberation.com. Um, the name of my practice is Real Liberation Coaching and Consultation Services. Um and Real stands for restore, empower, align, and love. And so I feel like all of those are components to healing, true, true healing. Um, so you can find me on my website, you can find me on Instagram at um real liberation coaching. Um, I'm on Facebook. Please reach out. I mean, this is definitely a topic in a population I'm so passionate about. And like you said, I feel like I've been called to do this work. Um, And people who are on the ground fighting for the rights of those who who can't fight for themselves, I'm here to provide support as well. So I support the Justice for Julius coalition members who went through a traumatic experience in November. So if you're struggling with just even the activism component and the toll it's taking on your mental health, That's something I'm also very passionate
2: about. um, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, because it it takes a toll. It It does take a toll, and I'm so glad you said it because I'm the center for listening to you. And I'm like, I was just thinking before you said, I was like, I wonder what the mental health person do when they need mental health too to deal with the mental health. You know, so because you're a human too, and so I I, gotta find you a good one. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I pray that as you're healing others, that you find healing also. I know I do when I'm helping other people. I I preach to myself. I'm not just preaching. To mm-hmm. them, I'm preaching to myself. Oh, absolutely, because... <laughs> I post stuff all the
3: time. I'm like, I'm talking to myself. Right, just help somebody. I'm good for it. Yeah, yes. yes, so yes if you're doing the work, make sure that you have somebody in the corner too. I have a fantastic psychologist who helps take good care of me. Yeah, as a mother and doing this work we're
2: doing, it's a lot. It so is. make sure you're taking care of yourself and
3: you're good to yourself as well. Mm-hmm. For it sure. Is.
2: and I'm learning that as I as I grow. You know, I'm I'm learning. I have a teenage daughter now and I was like, let me make sure that I'm not, that my frustrations from what I'm doing is not pouring on her or being extra about one thing and, you know, how much is she supposed to? You know, just understand that I got a stressful job. Like, when is it? You know, do you fuss? Do you go on and on and on? And a matter of fact, I I told I told uh, my cousin yesterday. I said, if you see me fussing and you think I'm going on too much, stop. Like, send me a text Mm -hmm. to say, "Hey, because you're doing a little bit too much." Realizing, you know, that there's always room to grow. You know, and how how what I do affects so many other people around me, and so I raising a
3: little girl. Yeah, I mean. My daughter is three, and it's like I'm always trying to be mindful of what I'm modeling for her. Yeah. Like, what is she seeing mommy doing? Is she seeing mommy take breaks? Is she seeing mommy get stretched out? i looking crazy because I just, I'm giving too much
2: of myself. You know, doesn't that's, that's huge. And it's really it's hard when you got a woke, uh, extra woke mama because everything we do that we're showing them it's all about the bigger plan and the down the yeah, road. And yeah. I told my daughter, New I was like, and breaking I, know. And I, know. I, told, I said, yeah. I know it's hard having That's a woman, but, <laughs> but just the lens that I see, you know, and I'm yeah. trying to, you know, I'm always having conversation. You got to understand it's going to be different yeah. for you as a black woman. You got to, yeah. and I That's told her, I know, I know, her. I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but I'm hoping yeah. down the road when I'm dead and gone, you'll It'll look back off. and be able to say, Mama mm-hmm. was right about this, so Absolutely. it is—it's it's hard. I'm sure it's really hard yeah. having a a, a psychologist as a mother. <laughs> right, At all yeah. Time, Right, yeah. Forty two with
3: a three year old, she's probably like, "Lord, right." <laughs> <me.">
2: <laughs> I bet. Yes. Well. Thank blessings you. to you uh dr smith thank you again thank for joining you. me uh thank you for all of this for those who listen all of the the detail and preparation that you put into this interview um and in our back and <laughs> forth exchange you were wanting to make sure yes. it's so important to you that you understood uh, to you you know that you, you, you really wanted to wrap yourself Absolutely. around this conversation because you understood the impact and how important Absolutely. it is and i found that very um uh, a breath of fresh air and impressive, and like, okay, she, she gets it. Like, mm-hmm. this is really, really important to her. And so that, that means a lot that you didn't even take mm-hmm. just this conversation um, mm-hmm. for granted. So, uh, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And whatever I can do to help with
3: this, please, yeah. and I mean it with all my heart, I would love to help. Yeah. This is, this has been a joy and it's yeah. wonderful just getting to know you. Yeah. You're an amazing human
2: being. Oh, thank um, you, Doug. I don't know
3: if you, you hear that, you know. that enough, you know? Well, you I can always use to an
2: extra one. There's Absolutely. nothing wrong with you. You need to know that you are given. you a lot of yourself.
3: Oh. It's it's making a difference.
2: I appreciate it's it. Really I, w- I will say that I hear more boos and I hear applauses. I this this, this industry is set up that way. So it any is. any extra one that I do, and it's kind of like the psychological. You know, as somebody say, "Well, you know, I don't want to blow your head up, but I want to tell you how great you are," and I say. No, No. like we need that because it's so much we get so much of the negative that I assure you I get way more negative than I'll ever get positive. And if I'm taking out the time to believe in our us, our people, then feed me too. Because we both have to be fed or the car can't go nowhere. Without no fuel, somebody gotta be driving, somebody gotta pump the gas, somebody gotta put five dollars in the gas. Like we have got to figure out how to move this vehicle forward and it requires all of us. And we can never love on each other. Yeah. enough and we don't yeah. love on each other enough we just yeah. don't and and that's why we get burned out and why we say forget it it's no point mm-hmm. it's no point in talking to dead people why talk to the, the cemetery doing this work is like going to the cemetery and having a conversation expecting people to talk back so it's very mm-hmm. very tough so anytime yes, we can yes. show I'm love with, into
3: you as much as I yeah. Can. yeah and, I can and you the you same so
2: you know our conversations back and forth i'm like doc i get it Take a break for mm, yourself. You Make sure you're taking a break for yourself. I don't have to know <laughs> you to know that. I just know what the yes, stress involved you know. in running a mm-hmm. business entails, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And, um, not, and not, e- not even counting life. Yeah, right? life, yeah. Right? life yeah. goes on, regardless of whatever's mm-hmm. going on. They don't care about the system and the water and the and all of the great analogies I said. Life goes on. Bills got to be paid. Stuff got to be done. People got to be raised. Like th- this is what it is. So um, that's very tough. And the, I'm gonna do some podcasts on that. Um, uh, you know, later on, just because you uh, and and you confirmed it by saying even people in this space who need help. And I, I want to really, I'm a I'm gonna deal with that because the past weekend, um, when I went to the Trayvon Martin Foundation, little, yeah. yeah, it oh man. I'm telling you, just being around other people that get death threats and deal with what I got to deal with, and even though we don't all move the same, and I don't, and there's thing we have many conversations on saying, hey, I would have did it differently, or mm-hmm. I wouldn't have necessarily did what you did, but just being around other people that you know that are going through something similar, man, it takes mm-hmm. my spirits it, it yeah. gives me another extra hundred miles to yeah. run this race. Yep. It really yep. does. Building yep. community. And that's different mm-hmm. than my two best friends who have known me all of my life. I have two best friends. Mm-hmm. So I know the difference between community in this industry and two best friends mm-hmm. that I tell all my business to. My mm-hmm. partners in this movement, it's a different level of community that we have to encourage mm-hmm. each other. Sometimes even your husband or your wife doesn't understand I, or you your friends yeah. don't understand because they don't live mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's the takeaway I'm taking from this. Build community, incarcerated yeah. or not, build community yeah. that can keep you, you know, on on the 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 path forward. So,
3: yeah, I was so glad to see that you had that weekend, yeah. this past weekend. It, it with, was helpful. The, the village, you needed that, yeah. just that
2: refuel. You do. So, I'm glad you I, recognized I that see it see. was a fuel, like it wasn't just... Literally, you know, refueling at the bar, which was nice, by the way, but it was, <laughs> it's always a, it, was a, it was a psychological refueling, you know, that is just so, so necessary. So absolutely. So thank you so much again, Dr. Smith, thank for joining you. me. Um, everybody, you. please uh, do yourself a favor. Go back. Listen to the this entire podcast series again. Shout out to the George Floyd Foundation for giving me the opportunity to host this very, very impactful series and subscribe. One of the most important things we can do to keep at least these conversations going is subscribe to the podcast. I always talk about 70 percent of podcast listeners are not black. And so it's important uh, that the powers that be understand that we need information as well. Everything is not always a video or TV or two minute Instagram post we have to be able uh, to put information out that is helpful to us. So shout out again to Charlamagne the God and the Black Effect Podcast Network for even understanding the need of being able to have a podcast network that gives us everything we need, not just education, but also entertainment. So do me a favor. Please subscribe to the podcast, Straight Shot No or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, like I always say, use it, lose it, can't make it, choose it. I hope you found some of this information helpful to either use yourself or for someone else. We'll be in touch. Peace.
4: may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com.
1: Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But
3: not with 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled